Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Discover more about our wondrous, world-class city at the Chicago Architecture Center. Now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Plan your staycation exploring two floors of awe-inspiring exhibits. From our interactive city models to skyscrapers that change the world. And learn about the fascinating stories behind the fabulous facades. Book your tickets today at architecture.org. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Hey, college students. Are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. Let me tell you about voting by mail. It's pretty cool. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote-by-mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote-by-mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit votemailchicago.com. That's votemailchicago.com for call scripts and a petition. One more time. Vote. V-O-T-E. Mail. M-A-I-L. Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O. Dot com to make sure that every voter in Cook County has safe and equitable polling. That's correct. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, July 22nd, is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. We now go live to Ben's attic. Ben, are you there? <laughs> I am here. Yes, I am here. I'm alive in my attic. The air conditioning is off, so uh, no competing sounds. All right, as everybody knows, uh, this is a political talk show, but every now and then, Dennis allows me to talk about sports, my passion, my love. Uh, we do a lot of basketball sport uh, conversation, but with the baseball season kicking in, I want to show off to the world how much I know about baseball. I was an obsessive baseball fan most of my life, so I thought... Hmm. Who could we bring in to talk baseball? Who do I know that knows baseball? And then it was like, boom, 
popped in my head. Miles Porter, the man of myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Everson High School, who was our editor all last year. Uh, Miles knows the game inside out. He plays the game. Miles, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, everybody knows that. And Miles has been on several times. Uh, we, we dragged him in to talk baseball. We talked what it's like to be, uh, be a, a black fan at Wrigley Field. We talked about uh, – we talked a lot. White Sox, Cubs. So we're going to break things down uh, the upcoming baseball season. And then when Miles is done, we're going to do an interview with uh, Vincent Norman, another uh, regular on the show, who uh, the co-founder of the uh, Marijuana Hall of Fame. And we're going to be talking basketball and eh, probably a little cannabis with uh, Vincent Norman moment as well all right miles miles before uh, before we begin i just got to say miles i just got to say no one can grab a podcast guest quite like you way to go we miss you (laughs) we do miles but we are so far removed from those days i'm in my attic dennis is in his apartment you're at your home i mean it's it's, we're a long way from the sun times a little studio yeah it's, it's crazy it is a crazy thing. All right, Miles. Uh, just let's establish your uh, your credentials in baseball. Lifelong fan, and you're still pursuing your dream, playing for Roosevelt. Uh, and you also play for a, a traveling team, and that was just at a tournament in Milwaukee. Am I correct about that? Yes, yes. Um, been playing baseball my entire life. Still actively in it. Just started coaching again. And uh, I played in Europe last summer. And, yeah, like you said, playing in Milwaukee and seeing where things go and just, you know, playing hard every day. Just enjoying being back out there again is just is my favorite part right now. Uh, and one day, Miles may be playing in the major league. He, uh, there's, he still has that dream. I had that dream. I gave mine up a 10. Uh, but it, <laughs> it was clear that there was no way. I actually may have been eight when I gave it up, Miles. Uh, but uh, somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm still playing baseball. All right. Uh, let's uh, start at the beginning. The season starts for the Cubs and the White Sox this Friday. Yes. And uh, it's a abbreviated season. Usually the baseball season is 162 games. Yeah. This year, of course, it'll only be 60 because of COVID. Explain the difference that'll make uh, a 60-game season. It's such a huge difference because every single game is more important now. Um, You know, teams, teams specifically with the Cubs, we can't go on uh, nine-game losing streaks like we did in September last year. Every game is much more important. Every pitch, every out, every run that scores, it, it, it makes everything so much more important. I think it's like three times more important now to win a game than it, than it would be in a 162-season uh, game. So. So then uh, if each game has a greater relevance, and you're absolutely correct, uh, we, we cut 162 to 60, yep. now that means strategies will change. And the first thought that popped in my mind, will baseball uh, co- managers go more and more to that Joe Madden strategy that I found infuriating, but it's the way the, it's where people were going. Yankee pitchers, uh, like first time of distress you yank a pitcher like the second inning or the third inning or even a first inning and you're because the idea is well you don't you you don't have as many games so you can uh bring in relief pitchers earlier you think that strategy will change um i think the strategy is going to be significantly changed teams may go to that there's also a dh now in both the nl and the al and um, now there's a three batter minimum, so everything has really been. It, it's such a different season that we're that we're coming into like, with the pandemic and amongst other rule changes that are coming. Um, if if you know if David Ross wants to wants to bring in a really a reliever after Kyle Hendricks has been struggling, that reliever has to get at least three outs if there aren't any outs recorded in the inning, unless it's one out or two outs already. 
then you know he the the reliever can face one batter but for the most part the three batter minimum rule i think is going to make such a huge difference because there's also guys who aren't used to going through against three batters and even though they're paid millions of dollars there's many pitchers who come into the game and they're it is a lefty on lefty matchup once he gets the lefty out then he's going to get taken out then the next guy comes in so i think significantly in many ways even maybe joe madden's strategy is going to change a lot of a lot of uh, big differences are to come this year. For sure. So the three batter minimum, I hadn't yeah. thought about that. The three batter minimum means that you can't just bring a pitcher in to play the lefty. Uh, you have to look at the three batter, the three batters in succession. Who's a lefty? Who's a righty? And etc. And make right. your uh, decision. Right. If there's no outs, then he has to he has to get all three outs. There's no more pitching changes after that for until he gets three outs or three, three your, batters. I mean, three batters. And and what's your take on this new rule? Um, I think, I think it is, I think it's, whew, it definitely, it definitely changes the strategy a lot. Um, I'm not really all that much for it as of right now. Maybe it, that'll change when I see how the season plays out. But it, it, I think for many, for many guys who are, who are going to go in there, a lot of, a lot of pitchers, um, I think in the, in the Cubs bullpen, specifically Kyle Ryan, I don't think you know, this is fair for him. And it's also him throwing more pitches in an inning and some other relievers that they're used to. So, you know, I, I think it takes away from the strategy of this lefty on lefty matchup or going against this, this, uh, the stats for certain players uh, going against each other. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle about it, but I'm right now I'm leaning a little bit more. I'm against it. Uh, I think it takes away from one of the beautiful things about baseball, like the strategy, the chess moves that are made in the games. All right. Now let me ask you uh, this question because this, this strategy change may also reduce the, the time of a game. And uh, you're kind of unusual uh, in that you're a young man and you love baseball. It's your number one love. Uh, yes. This Most studies shows that your generation have given up on baseball. Uh, basketball is more popular. Soccer is more popular. Football is more popular. Uh, do you think that uh, going to the three batter minimum, you could make the games faster and bring in younger fans? It, it, may, it may definitely, um, you know, make the games a little bit more faster, but I don't think it's going to make the game any more intriguing. I mean, last year was one of the record years in 2019 for home runs hit in the season amongst many players across the MLB. It was such an entertaining year offensively, defensively for so many players, but the amount of home runs that were hit last year is like the most, I think, almost in MLB history or a very long time. I don't think the moves that Rob Manfred are making right now, specifically little tweaks in the game, that's not going to make the difference. I think what's really going to bring in young fans, specifically in my generation, is if we have the leadership like the LeBron James or like the, the Steph Currys or the Kyrie Irvings or like the controversial ones like the Draymond Greens in the MLB. And if the MLB is really promoting these players the same way the NBA and ESPN promote these players, I really think from a marketing standpoint, it's a little the MLB has been a little bit at a disadvantage since like the steroid era of Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Oh, they go in the opposite direction. We're going to get into the Cubs and the Sox. Uh, one of my favorite, perhaps my favorite player uh, in Chicago right now is a shortstop for the White Sox, Timmy Anderson. I love that guy. He, oh, I just, I love everything about the guy, the way he plays the game, his enthusiasm, his exuberance. But it seemed like baseball, you, you know, when he flipped his bat last year, it was like all these old timers in baseball trying to throw him out. Yeah. Uh, you see the same bi uh, bias against Javi. Uh, on the Cubs, it's like it seems like baseball is going against exactly what you said they need to do. 
Right, right, and and really to my message, you know, to the to the people who don't like the flashy the flashy stuff, like flipping the bats and celebrating the home runs or celebrating the strikeouts. My message to them is get over it. Um, this is this is really the personality of this then of of this generation of just you know really letting people know that you're emotionally invested in these games. Tim Anderson is literally one of the main players that I admire because he's not afraid to go against the grain. He's not afraid to be different. He's not afraid to speak up about his team. I think everything that he's doing is perfect, and I think really a lot of these moments need to be looked at more positively because players are playing so passionately. I don't think hitting a home run and just putting your head down and running to first base and jogging the bases, making sure not to offend anybody, I think that's I think that's you know it's, it's kind of selfish for, for uh, the people who are against it. Um, David Bodie, when he hit the grand slam against the Nationals a few years ago, um, he apologized like a few days ago because he thought that he offended a few people. He literally hit the home run yeah. and started celebrating and ran around. Didn't say anything to the team. Didn't really, didn't really do anything around the bases besides, which is full of joy. And that's one thing that I'm against. My message to them is get over it. This is really one of the best times to be a baseball fan. It just needs to be put on that spectrum. I'm with you 100%. I remember when you hit that homer. That was when my days when I was still rooting for the Cubs. We'll get into my attitude toward the Cubs. But I remember he hit that homer. I was going nuts. It was a a rocket, baby. Rocket shot. And I was like, yeah. Uh, all right. Now, uh, I mentioned Timmy Anderson. You uh, talked about Timmy Anderson. Let's let's, let's, uh, address the big issue. Uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head. Correct me if I'm wrong, Miles. I don't. Tim Anderson may be the only black American, African American player in Chicago on either the Cubs or the Sox. I'm trying to think. I'm going through the roster in my mind. Jason Hayward. How could I forget your guy? You love Jason. uh, Jeremy Jeffries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So there's three. And. when I was a kid, God, I'm going to sound like an old man. But when I was a kid, Miles, uh, <laughs> you'd be stunned how many black players there were. The greatest players in the league were black guys. The all-star game, Willie Stargell, uh, yep. Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. The list mm-hmm. goes on and on. Yep. Uh, and, uh, a lot so, of legends as well. A lot of them are Yeah, Ernie black. Banks, Billy Williams, Billy, Billy, yeah. uh, Fergie Billy. Jenkins. Yep. Uh, so what can baseball do? Uh, to get more black kids involved in the game? Well, I think that that's a really good question. One of my biggest issues with how um, not specifically Major League Baseball is doing with this part, but um, I think it really comes down to the local baseball teams, like the local travel teams, with how expensive these teams are. Um, it's really hard for um, for a team uh, to recruit in the south side of Chicago when there's when there's low income, you know, there's a lot of poverty going on. If, it's, if there's a team that costs $1,200, they can't afford to play, so they're gonna, they're gonna, their interests are gonna shift elsewhere. I think one of the main things is that, um, you know, make things more affordable, affordable for people who cannot afford them. And I think mm-hmm. the White Sox do a great job of doing that, especially with the program that they have, and the MLB has the RBI program that takes kids out of the inner city. But outside of the MLB, there has to be better work of making these travel teams and making these house league teams and these local teams much more affordable. A kid who's eight years old shouldn't have to shouldn't have to have his parents pay twelve hundred to play a fifteen game season in some really nice jerseys. Like at that point, it's just a business, and it's not about baseball. At that age, it's about baseball. Business comes later, but it's about the game itself. 
Well put. And by the way, baseball, again, it's as often its own worst enemy. It was uh, about five years ago that Jackie Robinson uh, team from the south side of Chicago made it to the finals yeah. of the Little League World Series. And then uh, next thing you know, some coach is uh, calling them out saying, wait, one kid lived outside the district. And they're taking away their trophy and it just blemishes their championship. It's like baseball, like, wants to kill itself, Miles, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh- Cry me a river, like to that guy. Oh, are you kidding me? Like, we we, we are we are way better than that. Um, really, really, with 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 that situation. Um, seeing Ed Howard get drafted by the Cubs and him being a hometown kid, that that alone is so inspirational. There's so many people who look like him and can relate to his story. That's one of those things where I think it will help baseball in the future. And that 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 situation was so sad. I remember I haven't watched the Little League World Series since, but. A lot of those kids are very talented. And good luck to them. And, yeah, uh, and you're right about Ed Howard. I forgot about him. The, the Cubs picking him. All right, let's uh, let's break down some of the other differences. Yeah. Uh, no fans, obviously, no fans uh, in the stands. Uh, they want to. Uh, this is social distancing uh, with, on steroids. No, you can't possibly get the disease because we're not letting you in the stadium. Uh, so, what impact do you think that's going to have on the players? It's going to be so weird for every single player who has grown up in the spotlight with the light shining down on them with 3,500 to 40,000 people watching them every single game. The energy really at this point, the players have to provide that energy. They have to provide, you know, that focus. Um, there's not going to be fans cheering for you. The thousand people cheering for you, asking for autographs. And, you know, if you hit a home run and you're going to be running around the bases, it might be a little, a little bit quiet. So you better hope there's Tim Anderson in the dugout yelling and cheering for you. Like, like everybody else. Now, I think more than ever, players are going to have to show more personality. Without the fans, we're really going to see how much of a difference it makes for these players in the stadiums because the fan base is so important uh, to, to all nine players on the field, including the batter, including both dugouts. It, it, they're a part of the game, um, and that's why I think what makes Ridley Field so special. Yeah. Uh, by the way, is there any chance that they would allow some fans in? Or are they keeping that option open? I haven't seen anything on that. Do you know if they – there are they just gonna not have fans for the whole season? I haven't I haven't heard anything, but I haven't heard anything about them letting fans in. But I've read little things here and there about specifically Wrigley Field with the rooftops being open. Oh yeah, the rooftops. A certain yeah. amount of fans, which I think is I don't think it's gonna be all that great since they added these new scoreboards that they put in uh, six years ago. Yeah. I don't. By, by the way, that that talk about a mixed message. No fans in the ballpark where there's plenty of. You could really do social distancing in a ballpark if you just there's limit the number league, of people. There's independent teams doing yeah. it right now. They're they're letting fans in, but at like a 25 percent capacity. They're doing it in Korea and Japan. Fans are just spread out, and that's how they're that's how they're doing it. So yeah. I don't I don't know why the MLB isn't doing that. Maybe because the circumstances here are different. But I could definitely see them, you know, taking those steps. Yeah, and, and but I was gonna say, to finish the point, there's far less room to move on a rooftop. So there's gonna be far. You know what I'm saying? There's more. Yeah. It's more constrained in a rooftop. It's, exactly. Exactly. Uh, makes no sense. Yeah. All right, and uh, piping in the sounds of fans, uh, because otherwise you you could hear the players talking to each other, and uh, so they're gonna pipe in the sounds of fans. What's your thoughts about that? I think it's pretty funny. They should just probably be careful of. Uh, 
which which little uh, sound bites they get. Because um, I remember uh, I was looking at my I was looking on my phone the other day, and I got the update from the MLB app talking about how uh, we can record a video and then we send it to the team, and then they're going to play it during the games. I think I think I think it's pretty comical, I, and also I think the players are going to like to see that because the players are going to miss the fans. Um, I, I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'm kind of I'm kind of weird about the uh, the fake audience noises though. I think it's kind of odd, but mm-hmm. um, for the most part, I, you know, I, I'm I'm all for it. And then uh, a rule, I never know if it's a rule officially, but they're really going to try to eliminate what they call the chatter between a catcher and a batter or a first baseman and a runner. It's traditionally in baseball, there's a lot of talking that goes on. Uh, catchers trying to get in the minds of batters. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Rizzo and the Cubs would always be talking to the runners that come by. And I have to time Miles, I think he was just kind of, trying to distract them, you know what I mean, the games and baseball players. So what's your thoughts about uh, limiting the chatter between uh, the catcher and the batter and the first baseman and the runner? I think it's terrible. Look, I I am more than understanding about the pandemic in which we're going through, but you cannot control everything. Just having having certain conversations, maybe if they do have a conversation, it could be when the runner is taking a lead, but the conversation between the catcher and the batter – the catcher's in a crouched position with a catching mask on, and the batter is facing the pitcher. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I'm totally against that. <laughs> like, I, I, and, it's, and it's just players just, just talking to each other. There's, there's no, I don't, me personally, I don't believe there's any danger in that because they're literally not facing each other. They're facing the same direction, looking at the same person, who, by the way, is 60 feet away. So I am not, I am not for this. They cannot control every single part of the game and expect players to really enjoy or perform at their peak performance. I forgot, uh, it was like a few weeks ago, Kyle Schwarber said something like, it, it feels like it's hard to blink. Yes. And I think that has been like the perfect description as to how uh, how we all feel about everything going on. But specifically in the MLB, uh, no, that's terrible. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not for that. Let the players talk to each other. And, and if they can't talk, let them talk to a distance when the runner gets a lead or whatever. Uh, by the way, uh, do catchers do that? Try to mess with your head when you're at the bat to talk Absolutely. to you? Absolutely. What are they? So, what are some of the games they play with you? Uh, the craziest, the craziest question I've ever gotten while hitting was someone asked me, "What kind of shoelaces am I wearing on my shoes?" I didn't know how to answer that question, and I ended up taking a fastball right down the middle with two strikes. <laughs> <laughs> the shoelaces, not the shoe itself, but he asked specifically, oh, what kind of shoelaces are those, man? And I was like, oh, uh, oh, strike three. All right, cool. Good job. What, what was that? Oh, man, Sandlot. Did you ever see the movie Sandlot? Oh, yeah. The catcher would always be talking to uh, that chubby kid that was the catcher who was always yeah. talking to him. Yeah, yeah, he's the same last name, you know, yeah. Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, very good. Uh, all right, let's get down to the Cubs and the White Sox. I'm going to just open up with a little confession here. I um, uh, grew up in Evanston, uh, and not from Chicago originally, and I moved to Evanston at age 10 or 11. I said, wow, two baseball teams in this city. I get two shots at the apple. I'm rooting for both. And then I discovered you're supposed to pick one or the other. Never went for that. I'm a lifelong <laughs> Cub fan and White Sox fan. I don't care about it. I've gotten so much grief about this my whole life. But mm. I cannot take the rickets. And I think I told you this, Miles. Mm. Uh, I'm 
through with the Cubs this year. I'm wearing my White Sox hat. I love, but first of all, it's a great time to be a White Sox fan because they are freaking awesome. Uh, yes. I really have high hopes. Uh, but I know you come from a family of Cubs fans. Your father is yeah. one of my best friends. He loves the Cubs, Keith. No, no offense. He hears you right now. He's standing in front of me listening. Oh, he's there? Okay. Well, Cap, you can hear it from me. Those freaking Cubs, man, with the rickets. I can't deal with them. So I'm totally with the White Sox this year until we get past this Trump election. What's your stand on Cubs versus Sox, Miles Porter? Um, I am all for the rivalry. Both teams have very, very impressive rosters, but the White Sox are kind of at the point where the Cubs were in 2015 and 2016. That young core that they have is really starting to come together. This is the most confident I've ever seen this team. And there's so many great things to just be to, to just look forward to with Aloy Jimenez, uh, Luis Robert, uh, Yasmani Grandal. The White Sox have really put it together well this year. Um, and the Cubs, I think the Cubs are kind of at a point where, um, you know, is this going to keep working? Are we going to really stick with this core? Because we haven't really done anything since the World Series. It, it's a lot It's a lot to look forward to. I think both teams are going to, you know, be fine to have winning records. But the Cubs are at that point where we're going to start to see players getting chipped soon if this is not going to work with David Ross. The White Sox are the point where the Cubs were, where now that young core is starting to become, like they're starting to come together, and it's going to be very scary for the rest of the league, especially the AL Central. All right, let's start with the Cubs, then we'll go to the Sox. I mean, we'll start with the Sox, go to the Cubs, because I'm I'm really excited about them. Uh, You mentioned Jimenez. I I was at a game with your dad last year, and, you know, I'm trying to my best – not to be too pro White Sox because he loves the Cubs so much. And uh, Jimenez, I don't know if uh, some of our listeners may not know this, used to be uh, with the Cubs and he was traded to the White Sox. One of those trades, very rarely do the Sox and Cubs make a trade because yeah. it, really, it could really hurt one of the teams. And this Absolutely. one is going to hurt him because this guy Jimenez, man, he is so good. He hit a home run that beat the Cubs that day. I think that ball is still falling somewhere. Yeah. And his dad was sitting there steaming. And I'm like, yeah, did you see that? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. No one wants to hear about it, Benny. And uh, 31 homers. Um, I think uh, Jimenez hit 31 homers last year. Now, I think this guy is a tremendous player. What do you think about Jimenez? Aloy Jimenez, the, he <laughs> – I, I, here's my weird thing about Aloy Jimenez. That I think he, he hasn't he's, – he's nowhere close to his potential yet still. Um, right now, I don't think the Cubs have exactly uh, been suffering yet because now that there's the DH in both leagues and Kyle Schwarber was productive for them, but we're talking about the White Sox. Yeah. With, with, uh, with Aloy Jimenez specifically, I, 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 the combination between him and Luis Robert, I think, is, is going to be so cool. And um, really, he's going to be one of the main points that they're going to build this team around. And he's such an optimistic player who um, has learned so much from Jose Abreu um, and on just how to be a big leaguer. The the Aloha Jimenez is he's gonna be great and I and I'm very excited for it. Um I think I I'm sad that it's gonna be a sixty game season, but for the most part I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised in a, in a few years if he has a couple of forty home run seasons with hundred RBIs. Um that's in that's in his future. The only reason why he didn't get a last year was because he was still he was still kind of trying to find his way a little bit as a big leaguer, but uh 
you know. And he had a lot of injuries. That was yeah. the one thing about him. He, it seemed like he was always having an ankle injury, ran into a wall. He had that injury. Yeah, uh, that was very frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Luis Robert or Robert. I, I think it's Robert. I'm, I'm not sure how he pronounces it. He's from mm-hmm. Cuba. This will be his first year with yeah. the White Sox. He signed yeah. a contract. So no more of this games where they send you down to the minor leagues. Uh, what's your, what's your expectations for him? Apparently he's supposed to be like the next Mike Trout and Mike Trout is the most entertaining player to watch in baseball besides Bryce Harper. But from what I've seen from Luis Robert on how he goes about his at-bats, his confidence, he is going to be so fun to watch. The White Sox fan base and the White Sox in general have so much to look forward to with him. He has such a smooth swing, um, and he also has a very uh, powerful swing. And the only difference is between him and Javier Baez at this age is that he connects more with these swings. Um, It was like last week – during one of the during one of the inter squad games, he hit a home run to uh, like left center, and he fell down and got up and kept running. Luis Robert, Luis Robert, the sky's the limit for him. The Sox have so much to look forward to with that, and he really fills that outfield position too. I'm, I'm now just listening to this. I'm excited. Don't forget Timmy Anderson, oh. uh, Jose Abreu. I'm uh, I'm really excited about the White Sox. Do you think the White Sox are going to make the uh, playoffs? I would be very surprised if they didn't. Um, they still, they are still chasing the twins. The twins still have a very solid, uh, team that they have. Um, I think they're really just neck and neck with the Indians. If they could really one up the Indians, uh, during this very short season, the White Sox will be in the playoffs. And I do believe that they'll go far into the playoffs. Um, really, uh, if they could just get past the Indians and maybe fight for that wild card spot in their, in, in their favor, Maybe the Twins fall off in these last 30 games of the year and the White Sox are able to hit some sort of surge. But for the most part, I'd be very surprised if they did not make the playoffs. But they do uh, They do have two other teams that they kind of have to uh, monitor throughout the way that they have 10 games against. All right, let's get to the Cubs. Uh, the big change there, of course, uh, Joe Madden is gone. David Ross is the new manager. What's your thoughts on that impact? Um, you know, I think I think the Cubs would have been okay if, if Joe Madden was still around. Um David Ross really knows these guys. Um, he's coaching. He's managing from a different perspective, a little bit less of a, uh, a little bit more of an aggressive uh, style that he's going to come with. Uh, he's going to hold players probably a little more accountable. Um, I think the Cubs have been okay if Joe Madden would have stayed around. I don't. I, at the, in the moment when Joe Madden left the Cubs, I wasn't really for it because there had been so much success that he had brought. But then as time goes on, I think about it as like, okay. I don't think Joe Madden specifically was the problem. Maybe in general, it just had to be a change of scenery and someone new. So I think David Ross will do his job very well. He knows this Cubs organization and all these players very, very well. So I know he's going to manage accordingly. I all think right. they're in good hands. All right. You mentioned Kyle Schwarber. I've been waiting for that breakout season for a long time. Yeah. And he had a pretty good, what did he had 30 homers last year? I'm doing this yeah. on top of my head, 30, about 30 homers. Mm-hmm. Uh, batting average was kind of low. Now he's going to be the DH. Yeah. So do you think this could be his breakout year? You know what? It could be or, or it could not be. Um, this, is, this is a player who has been starting left field uh, just about his entire career after he moved from catching because that did not work out when he was first called up. Even something as simple as taking a player from the outfield and moving him to the DH position can change so much on how that player goes about that game. DHing obviously you're just hitting. When you're in the outfield, you're fielding and you're hitting. When you're DHing, you're taken out of the game a little bit up until you are at bat. This may kind of change things for Kyle Schwarber, or it may change nothing for him. But either way, um, 
I think that's a very big move, but it gives the Cubs more depth in the outfield. Yeah, uh, and uh, it also keeps him out of the outfield. Um, exactly. It, it may be made what you mean by more depth in the outfield. Uh, Chris Bryant, do you expect a big year from Chris Bryant? I expect a very big year from Chris Bryant. Him and um, really, uh, he it was a bit unfortunate last year um, with the injuries that he, that he was going through. But with the time that he did play, I thought Chris Bryant was incredible. I thought he was incredible for what he did with the time that he had. Um, the Cubs need Chris Bryant. Oh, they, we, we need him. We need him to play well. We need Chris Bryant to stay healthy. Chris, it's 60 games. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's 60 games. Just, just get through it. Take a couple of days off. So, yeah. I, I, Chris Bryant easily last year could have had 90 RBIs and could have hit two could hit 300 had he stayed healthy the entire yeah. year. Um, him and Rizzo, we we need them to just stay healthy for, for this short period for this short time period because this year is really going to determine a lot for what's going to happen with the Cubs going forward. I do think he's big due for a very uh, big year. All right, so here you go, big prediction: Will the Cubs make the playoffs? Yes, I'm going to stick with yes. I do not look at the Brewers as a threat, and the Brewers really are the only you know, realistic threat in the central right now. Um, well, then I could mention the Reds as well, but the, I don't think the Reds are fully developed to that point yet. I still think they have some holes in their starting rotation. I do think the Cubs make, uh, I do think they make the playoffs. I do not believe that they're going to go very far in the playoffs. Oh, so you're not predicting a subway series for the world series between my, uh, the white Sox and the Cubs. As much as we would all love to see that, I think the Cubs and Sox are kind of going a little bit uh, different directions right now. Yes, they are. The White Sox are going in a great, positive direction. And the Cubs, sorry, Cap, I hate to rub it in your face. But uh, anyway, uh, all right, Miles, uh, before I let you go, I'm going to switch gears. Basketball is already starting. In a little while, we're going to bring on Vincent Norman to talk more about the basketball, upcoming basketball season. But you were part of our basketball preseason uh, prediction show, boy, those that seems like an, another century ago. We were in the studio, and uh, you were here with Sergio was in there. And uh, anyway, so who do you think will be in the? If, if, presuming they do get the season in, you know, in the bubble, yeah. who, who are your predictions for the the final two slots for the playoffs? I am sticking with the Bucks, and I am sticking with the Lakers. I think the Bucks are such a solid, solidly built team. Um, I think Giannis is really going to lead this team throughout this weird time. Um, and LeBron James and the Lakers. That, that's really all I have to say. Uh, Anthony Davis. So, so many, so many great things about both teams. Um, I really think that they're the powerhouses of, the, of their uh, respective conferences. Uh, I'm sticking with Bucks and Lakers. Yeah, I, I gotta. I have to say the same. You know, I started by saying uh, Bucks and Clippers, so I don't want to jump away from my. You know what I mean? You're like, you know, you got to stick right. with your everything. But the man, that LeBron James looked uh, absolutely awesome. So yeah. I'm sticking with the Clippers, but I'm a little nervous on that prediction. <laughs> I want you to tell your dad and your mom to expect to see me. I'll be wearing my mask, but I always go to your watch the games with your dad with the basketball season. Make sure he knows I'll be sitting on the one far end of the couch, six feet away from him i'll wear a mask uh, you know and all good stuff uh when the basketball season starts yes miles barbecue ready and everything all right i'm, I'm coming over tonight all right miles <laughs> thank you very much great thank job uh and we'll talk to you soon we'll follow you out uh, during the baseball season all right all right thank you so much thank you for having me all right, very good, Miles. Uh, stick around, folks. Uh, Vincent Norman will be on talking basketball. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. 
food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. As promised, Vincent Norman, uh, the owner of the Marijuana Hall of Fame, is with us. Uh, Vincent, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. Now, I told uh, everybody at the outset of this uh, segment that we're going to have Miles Porter talking baseball, Vincent Norman uh, talking basketball, because the basketball season's opening up really soon. And uh, Vincent, of course, a basketball fan and uh, was in the game. Uh, but uh, Vincent, you sent me an article that I found fascinating, and uh, I just want to address it. Uh, it was an article about the shootings that took place outside a funeral home in Chicago on 79th Street the other day. Uh, 14 people shot. And uh, it was a retaliation shooting. It was a retaliation. Someone was shot. There was a retaliation. And then this was a retaliation of that. I've been saying this for years, Vincent, in my humble opinion. Uh, one of the big problems in the city of Chicago, and this goes citywide, is that we have this inability to resolve conflict without getting violent or angry. And so if in, in, uh, it's not just on the black south or west sides. It's a citywide problem, in my uh, humble opinion, an inability to resolve conflict peacefully. What's your thoughts about this? Uh, you know, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. Like you say, it's not just a south side, west side. Uh, problem. I think it's a problem that goes all the way back into just politics, um, in general, city officials, aldermen. You know, you know, it's like if somebody one up an individual, seeing like in Chicago, we just have to get that that last lick in. You know, we can't just walk away. We can't just say, "Hey, listen, okay, we can we can agree to disagree." It seems like we can't do that at all. We just got to take it to a punch. Which I don't understand that, but that's what it is. Yeah, it's a punch. It's a punch, and then when the the proliferation of guns, it goes beyond punches, and it's people shooting at each other. Uh, but it's the same inability to resolve conflict. Do you have any recommendations or suggestions of what Chicago could do to move beyond this mindset? You know, I, I think that. Um... You know, it, it, it takes, it, you know, goes to, it takes a village. But in this, in this case, it, it takes, you know, leadership. It takes leadership. Uh, it takes people in the community to, uh, to get together and eke out some of the problems that, you know, involving gang members. Uh, I think Father Flanagan does a great job at trying to uh, diffuse situations. But it, it, it really takes people to recognize, identify these things and then act on it and then put the people that maybe have a conflict in the same room or, you know, somehow kind of resolve those things. It's a bigger issue, though. You know, it, it really is, uh, I think, statewide, but also made really in the city of Chicago. Yeah, no. Uh, so it just takes a lot to uh, maybe get people in the room and kind of talk it out. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 like I said, Vincent, I've lived in this city since 1981, and it just doesn't seem it, anything has changed. And moreover, I don't even see an attempt. I know we're here to talk basketball. We'll get to basketball, but I don't even see an attempt to change it. 
you know what I'm saying? I don't see the city promoting intervention programs. I don't see uh, more counselors or therapists hired, more mental health clinics open. I, I don't even see it. I just, it's just like people just ignore the problem. And yet we see it all every day. You know, like the mayor gets mad at this alderman. She cusses him out. The alderman cusses her out. You know, a, a judge gets mad at a protester. He throws a punch. I, it doesn't seem people ever apologize even for their behavior. Partisan Democrats, Republicans, you know, you know, as much as uh, <clears throat> we, we see it live here, the posturing where, um, you know, and whether it's political um, posturing or not, but, you know, the, the, the president of the United States saying, look, hold on, let's, let's bring some feds in. Let's do this. Let's try to work something out. And then we have the, the governor and the mayor, uh, even though they're trying to do a joint effort, but you know, there's no okay. Okay, let's look past the politics. Let's look, look past uh, the ills of Donald Trump. Chicago needs help, and if if the federal government is going to offer that help, let's figure a way to make this work. Instead of saying we don't need your help, instead of saying that well your help is tainted because you have uh, a hidden agenda. Beside that point, let's figure out a way. We're adults here. Let's make this work. And that's what we're not seeing. So this is actually being played out right on television, you know. So what you see is people refusing to, like I said again, resolve issues, come together across the aisles and say, you know, let's save our kids here in the city. Let's save the people here in Chicago. Let's come up with a solution that will work that will generate interest because man mm. how long has it been going on 20 25 years um, a lot longer than that of course a lot longer than that i was being uh, generous yeah you were being very generous uh all right vincent let's uh move on and first of all before we get to basketball any cannabis updates that we should know about uh, yes, you know, we're still a uh, parkway dispensary. We're still waiting for the uh, licensing process that seems like that's being pushed and delayed again. You know, now I'm hearing it's September. You know, we, we was all excited about July. I think last time we came on, we were talking about July. We're supposed to be, the state was supposed to be issuing uh, uh, several licenses. Um, it seems like that's been pushed to September. Uh, also, you know, oh, Isaiah Thomas, is, you know, seems like oh, Mr. Basketball in Chicago is getting involved in the cannabis uh, business. You know, people that might be interested in that should Google that and learn a little bit more. Uh, you had Wanda James on, and uh, I'll tell you, a great interview. That was yeah, a great right. interview. My hat's off to you, Ben, for that. Uh, Wanda is a wonderful person. She's doing a lot of things in Colorado. And so, again, the cannabis industry is, is really booming and growing. We just need more minorities at the table. We need the license issued where we can uh, partake in what has already been established as a booming revenue in, uh, industry. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for uh, the compliment. Yeah, Wanda James was outstanding. I'm going to definitely bring her back. Wanda James uh, owns a dispensary in uh, Las Vegas, and it, uh, she's a pioneer in terms of being a black entrepreneur who uh, runs a cannabis dispensary. And man, she does not hold back. She tells it like it is. Uh, love to hear. Probably broaden the subject a little bit from uh, cannabis. Vincent, next time she's on the sh uh, show and talk politics, straight up politics. All right, let's get down to business with 
basketball. Vincent's a big-time basketball fan. He was born in Chicago, and most of his years were spent in Chicago, but somehow or other, he's now rooting for the Lakers. Isn't that interesting? Hold the horn. Okay. Not the Lakers. Remember, it's the Clippers. Oh, I my bad. I, the Clippers. I go where Kawhi go. Kawhi, when he was with Toronto, I picked him to win the championship. Of course, the Spurs, I'm a longtime Spurs fan because of Kawhi and Tim Duncan, because they do it the right way. But now he's with the Clippers. I'm going on the record to say the Clippers will win the NBA championship if there is not a stoppage for COVID-19. All right, and let me just say this. Uh, At the start of the season, I predicted the Clippers to win. And uh, I, I am a Bulls fan. That's my number one love. I love, I live and die with that crummy team. And they're not even in this playoff. Uh, but I do root for the Clippers because Doc Rivers, the coach, is from Maywood. He went to Proviso East High School. Uh, Patrick Beverly. Uh, love Patrick Beverly, and he went to Marshall High School. He's from Chicago. Uh, and you're right, Kawhi Leonard is a fantastic player. So uh, I we'll get to our predictions, but I'm actually with you uh, with the Clippers. I, I, I predicted them at the outset of the season, so I feel compelled uh, to stick with them. All right, uh, so the way it's working in the NBA, they're going to be playing uh, in a bubble in uh, Florida, Uh, And anything they could do to avoid players getting COVID-19, the bubble season. Uh, What's what's your thoughts about this coming in, Vincent? Well, I I think that uh, already we're starting to see uh, players um, that test positive for COVID-19. You know, I mean, the Houston Rockets, wow, they, they took a big hit, you know, with uh, Westbrook and then uh, James Harden. <laughs> I think that's their two top scores, you know, and that's about 60-some points. If they're not on the court, I mean, you know, pretty much Houston is uh, done. Um, but I, I heard that, um, you know, they're giving them an opportunity to retest, and if they test positive uh, two tests in a row, then they can go back and join the team. Uh, it's going to be interesting, but I believe that the bubble – is not going to be as uh, effective as it, it they might want it to be, because there's a, you got to look at there's a lot of people that's going to be coming in and out, and it's just not there's no way to really know you know because some people can be carrying it and have no idea, and uh, I don't always believe in the the the, the testing as uh, 100% accurate. So do you think there's a possibility as the season unfolds, uh, players will be uh, testing positive and being pulled back? And so you'll have that sort of uh, up and down, like a, a favorite team loses a key player. Boom, everything is, is in flux. You think that's what's going to be happening? I think that's going to be happening. And I also think because <clears throat> the way it works, I think the uh, – the commissioner has a really, really daunting task on his hands because let's just say it plays out and we get to the uh, semifinals of the, the the rounds of in the NBA playoffs and LeBron comes up uh, positive. What do you do? Do you hide that information and let him continue to play? Or do you sit him 
in uh, retrospect, and then all of a sudden, here he goes, and the Lakers are eliminated and don't even make it to uh, the finals at all whatsoever, or not even uh, the Western Conference finals, I should say. So uh, that's, you know, that's going to be interesting because uh, I believe for uh, revenue's sake and for, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> ratings, I, I think that the powers would be if they could hide that information, they would. Wow. It's, I didn't know. It's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that there was a, an observer even more cynical than I was, but I think I may have just met him. Um, I'm just thinking about the scenario you laid out there, Vincent, and that would be frightening if they uh, would keep let's say a player of let's let's use your example lebron james uh is test positive and they don't tell anybody i'm not would they even tell lebron in your scenario would they just let him play do you follow what i'm saying like it it would be such a, a controversy to put it mildly if that story came out that could really ruin basketball for a long time it, it could, and you know, um, we've seen this play out before. You know, I, I can, I can name a couple of scenarios. Uh, of course, you know, uh, uh, the a battle between uh, was it uh, Sosa and Maguire? Yes, Come on. we yeah. all knew. The, the the league knew. Everybody knew that these guys, you know, were juiced juiced up but it was such a mad ratings it was such a competition of battling back and forth to see who would win the uh, home run uh derby at the end of the season season and it, it just seemed like it just made sense for them they capitalized off of it, made a lot of money and a lot of ratings and so they let it go through and now vincent uh you know a lot of the players in the nba do you think uh if lebron james knew that he had COVID, that he was uh, positive, that he would play anyway? That's a tough question. I, I know LeBron. I, I think that's a tough one. I, I think that if it was on him, I think he would sit. But if you know, the coaches and a couple of other people influenced and said, listen, you're positive, but you're not, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing. You're okay. You feel good, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I feel great. And then we'll let you play. And I think he'll play. Wow. Giving, I, giving that support. Without that support, I think he would sit. I think he would make a conscious decision. Um, and I, and, and I think it'll break down the crowd about it because, you know, uh, let's face it, LeBron, this is LeBron's year uh, that I think that he has a good chance of winning the ring. Uh, but, of course, Kawhi and them, they're going to stop him. But yeah. <laughs> I, I really hope uh, that this scenario doesn't happen. I've really come to uh, love LeBron James. I'm a Bulls fan, as I said. When he didn't come to Chicago in 2010, I was so mad. Uh, I was envious of the Heat. I went around hating the Heat, and, and then I got over it. <laughs> I mean, I got eventually got over it and became and came to love LeBron James for the man he is and and the way he goes about. Uh, 
his business. I'm a little apologetic and ashamed of myself, Vincent, for how much I hated the heat back in 2011 when the Bulls were fighting them. Uh, but so I really hope that doesn't happen. And I don't believe LeBron James would play. I don't care. He's already got uh, three rings. You know what I'm saying? So his legacy is cemented. I want to read something to you, uh, speaking of LeBron James. It was in the paper today. I happened to see it right before uh, we came on the air. And get your thoughts about this, what kind of year it's been. Uh, this is a story uh, that was Associated Press uh, wrote. Uh, here we go. I'm reading this to you. Everything about this year has been abnormal. A pandemic-suspended play. David Stern, the NBA's commissioner emeritus, died. Kobe Bryant, who was the third leading scorer in NBA history until James passed him on January 25th, died in a helicopter crash the following day. And now James, the Lakers, and 21 other teams are at Walt Disney World, separated from the rest of the world, trying to salvage a season and decide a championship. Vincent, I've never seen anything like this. I'm a, a lifelong basketball fan. Uh, when you when you put that into perspective, when you read that, listen to what I just read. It, it just it, it's it's almost mind boggling that the sport has been upended this way uh, in just six months. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you, across the board, look at it. I mean, the, the Blackhawks had to shut down. I mean, we're just now getting into the baseball season. It's July, you know, and and there's still some uncertainty there. Uh, like you said, across the board, sports has just went to a halt. And um, the abnormal uh, part about it is that um, I think, you know, the media and, and, and the fans, you know, we're, we're – we're kind of thirsty and we want to, we want to see, we want to root for our players. We want, you know, uh, sports to come back, but then also, you know, we have to look at the safety and, 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 and the health of the, of the players and also not only the players, the staff around them, the coaches and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, this is, this is unprecedented. Uh, I never thought in my lifetime that I would see something like this, you know, uh, but, um, you know, the, the the bad part about it is um, we're still in it, you know, and it seems like it's, the spike is starting to go back up. So, where we gonna where, where, where do we go from here? That's that's the question. Yeah, uh, what's your when you think about the sports being shut down in this country uh, since March? What do you what do you think are some of the impacts? Uh, on society. One of the things that I've thought about is that the stock market, for instance, has been impacted that a lot of people who gamble on sports ordinarily are now gambling on the stock market. I think there's people who are putting their money, buying stocks, trying to play, uh, looking for the the quick fix like they do uh, in a gambling. What what are some of the impacts that you think uh, have been, uh, society has felt because of the shutdown of sports? Well, you know, um, I saw, uh, and I think it was a, a story about uh, a restaurant uh, around a Yankee Stadium, mm -hmm. and uh, the, the owner was talking about the impact that uh, them not having baseball there and not having the fans because, you know, what uh, what's being missed is a lot of these businesses they depend on uh, sports you know, the seasons to take place, you know, to draw in the fans, to, to, to bring in the revenue, to stay in business, to hire people, to keep people employed. And so I think 
this this particular owner was like, you know, he was saying, we just opened up another restaurant. Uh, we, business was great. And then this hit us. And I don't even know if, I mean, he was, he was three months, I think three to four months behind in rent. And he was like, I don't even know what to do. I mean, I got piles of beer sitting on the floor that I cannot sell. You know, uh, pretty much everything, my inventory is pretty much gone to waste. And, uh, you know, my thing was, and just listening to him talk, I'm like, man, I hope somehow he gets some type of financial assistance, some type of help, because this can drive people uh, across the edge, Mm -hmm. over the edge, I should say. And, uh, you know, I just really felt bad for that owner, but but it was almost like echoing all the different businesses that surrounding, uh, let's say, uh, the Cubs stadium. Uh, the White Sox Stadium and and, and, and different other uh, arenas and et cetera, where people rely on sports as part of revenue to to keep their employees, uh, you know, employed and and keep the fans coming. And, and and this is not happening. So a lot of people are going out of business. So it's a it's a huge impact. And I don't think that's being said enough, but it's it's, it's sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's certainly hurting like people who work at uh, the arenas, the basketball arenas, uh, who are out of job all of a sudden. Uh, all the all the uh, collateral damage uh, to shutting down the seasons. Uh, all right, let's uh, get your predictions. Get your predictions on record. Let's assume that they do get the season in, that this uh, they can manage uh, to have enough players who stay uh, virus free to get the complete all the games. I'm going to be optimistic and say they do it, that the bubble uh, will work. Uh, so what's your predictions? Who will meet in the finals? <clears throat> well, who's going to represent the West? I got to go with Doc Rivers. I, you know, I think Doc is a strategy coach. I think he will find a way to uh, contain Davis for the Lakers, and uh, I think that's going to be the most important thing for them to do. And then they'll they'll let LeBron be LeBron, you know, and they're going to represent the West. The East, you know, I, I'm going to go out on the limb, uh, and and I believe, you know, people are not going to agree with me, but I believe that uh, Toronto <laughs> can make a good run and be in a, and represent the East Eastern Conference Finals, probably against the Celtics. And that's going to be a toss up, uh, you know. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna pull for Toronto. <laughs> Toronto. Wow. I, <laughs> Listen, that, I... how funny would this be though? Toronto playing the Clippers in the finals. Kawhi is playing his old team. Yeah. Well, that would... uh, for, yeah. That, that would be first of all. Siakam is the real deal, and uh, so he's close to. Kawhi, I think, as any player in terms of the diversity of his game uh, at that position. So I'm not – I don't think you're that far-fetched when you say uh, Toronto. But uh, I'll tell you what, I my preseason pick with the Bucks, uh, Giannis is so tremendous. And so I'm not going to – leave my preseason prediction. So I think uh, the I, I think the Bucks will get past Toronto. I, but I'm starting to think that Miami in the shortened season in the bubble with Jimmy Butler uh, may make a run at him. What do you think about Miami? 
Miami, you know, that's a good pick as well. You know, uh, I just think that uh, the Bucks are not going to. Uh, I mean, let's face it, the Bucks should win the East. They should represent the East. But I, I just, I just think that the Bucks are not going to uh, make it uh, in the championship game. I just think that they, they don't have the. They don't have the leadership that it takes. Giannis is a great player. Uh, I don't think he's there yet. And uh, they lost a few pieces. And uh, I think that's going to hurt them uh, in this shortened season. And we got to look at this. You know, like you said, Miami with uh, Butler, that might be a good pick. But then also, the reason why I say Toronto, because Toronto um, just has a core uh, of experience and and. And they they did pretty, they made a good run uh, toward the end of the of season before uh, COVID nineteen. They're looking real well, looking good. All right, now you mentioned Giannis. Uh, we talked about a lot LeBron. Uh, who do you predict will be the MVP, LeBron or Giannis? I got to give it to uh, LeBron. You know, I got to give it to LeBron. I, I think Giannis is playing good, but uh, let's face it, uh, LeBron with the with the players that he have on that team. Uh, He's showing a lot of good leadership, uh, you know, having Davis on there as well. And uh, he, he's, you know, the pressure that he's under, he, he's he's handling, I think he's handling it real well. And uh, the, the numbers don't lie. And uh, he should be MVP. I'm with you there. I, uh, I think LeBron will be the MVP. All right. Uh, and so you and I are basically seeing eye to eye. I think I'm going to stick with my preseason predictions. I'm not going to abandon them, uh, even though the Lakers do look tough. But I'm saying the Clippers and Doc Rivers will prevail, and I'll be happy because, really, uh, there's – there's no one that I root more for in the NBA who's not a Chicago than uh, Doc Rivers. It used to be Kevin Garnett on that list as well because uh, he uh, spent one year of high school in Chicago. So, uh, But uh, Doc Rivers, I'm really hoping that he can win with the uh, Clippers uh, and Paul George as well. All right, uh, now let's talk about my beloved Bulls. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Vincent. Three years in a row, they're not in the playoffs. Uh, there may be a loser bowl. You sent me that article. I remember you were sending me that article. A loser bowl that may happen in Chicago. Uh, and the Bulls would be in the loser bowl if they pull that off. Uh, are you as uh, – what's your opinion of the Bulls? Are you bleak on their future? Okay, so I'm going to – I'm going to – put it plain and simple for all the basketball enthusiasts and the people that really know basketball. First of all, it begins with the coach. There are a lot of good coaches out there and I don't know what these GMs are doing. What I think Paxson was in, uh, in charge, but you got Avery, you got, um, Oh my God. Uh, I can't think of his name now, but he's a announcer. He was with the Golden State Warriors. He, Jackson, Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson, you got, yeah. Right. You got these good coaches out there, proven coaches, African-American coaches. I think uh, the Bulls did not take advantage of, you know, hiring a seasoned vet to jumpstart that team. And until they do that, uh, your beloved Bulls, <laughs> our beloved Bulls, All right. That's are what going to continue to – uh, miss the eight spot, I believe. Yeah, we have to. You know, it, it really starts with coaching. You know, I, I've always said this. You know, me being uh, in sports, 
you know, I know that uh, good coaching can trump, you know, a lot of talent if you got the players that want to play together as a team. So there you have it. Yeah, I'm with you. I I don't know. Like we just mentioned Doc Rivers uh, from uh, Proviso East High School, grew up in Maywood. Why isn't he the coach of the Chicago Bulls? Why don't the Bulls ever have like a really significant, prominent coach? Uh, Why do we always go for these like unproven coaches who don't, get paid. Oh, I think I just figured it out, Vincent, who don't get paid much. I just think I figured it out. I, I hope if the Bulls are listening, you have no bigger Bulls fan in the city of Chicago. You've got to get a new coach. I'm with Vincent on that one. And, you remember uh, Avery Johnson. The Bulls offered Avery Johnson $3 million a year. And Avery Johnson said, hold on. I got three years left on my contract with the Dallas Mavericks making $5 million a year. Why would I leave that to go and coach the Bulls for $3 million. That wouldn't make sense. So he turned down the offer. So again, you know, and then we can move right into football. You know, that's another issue. All right. Well, we're going to close it down with football. We're going to close it down with the Bears. Uh, I don't know. I can't believe that there will be a football season this year, uh, Vincent. I can see uh basketball there's a lot of contact but football is just out and out contact and bodies running in literally into each other uh i do not know how they can play football without really endangering the health of P, uh, the players by spreading the virus put that be that as it may i am a lifelong bears fan but I am temporarily through with the Bears, and I'll tell you why. I've already told you. I'm going to repeat it. I believe the Bears have a problem with black quarterbacks, and I want to hear the Bears address it. I want to hear the Bears explain why they signed Mike Glennon, gave him $18 million, and did not give Colin Kaepernick an opportunity. I want to hear the Bears explain why they bypassed two great black quarterbacks, particularly the greatest quarterback of the generation, uh, Patrick Mahomes. I want to hear that from the Bears, why they traded up for Mitch Trubisky. I want the Bears to address this issue because I know a lot of Bear fans, uh, Vincent, and they believe that this is a problem that the Bears have, even though the Bears deny it. So I I would like to hear the Bears uh, address this issue. What is your opinion? Do you share my belief that the Bears have issues with the black quarterbacks? You know, we kind of agree on a lot of things here other than uh, you pick the Bucks <laughs> and I pick the Toronto uh, Raptors. But, you know, uh, it goes back to, uh, you know, this Evans, it goes back to uh, – uh, a couple of other African-American quarterbacks that just didn't get the opportunity to excel. And I, I, I really believe that um, there is an issue there. I, I, I don't understand why, because in 2020, let's put the best players on the field. You know, let's put the best players in the positions on the field. And clearly, uh, when you look at Patrick Mahon's uh, resume, you, you got his father played baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this guy trained rigidly. His father just, I mean, he's a two-sports athlete. I mean, all the tools are there. And like you say, didn't they trade up for Mitch 
Trubisky? Well, yeah, Trubisky, Mitch, yeah. Trubisky? Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, how, how could you go past it and, and not pick uh, Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't. I, I, and like you said, Deshaun um, Watson as well is sitting right there. And these guys are excelling. In in the meantime, we, uh, the, the Bears have just paid millions of dollars to bring another quarterback in, uh, a proven winner, Super Bowl winner, um, to pretty much uh, to say that, hey, Mitch, your days are numbered. <laughs> so um, here we are again, uh, backpedaling. Uh, yeah, I uh... – I always had this conversation with a friend of mine. I'll tell you this uh, before we close it down. He always says to me, Ben, I'll be raving about Patrick Mahomes. I love Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, I can't believe he's not on the Bears. The Bears could have picked him. He goes, Ben, you didn't know Patrick Mahomes was going to be a great quarterback, so stop acting like you do. To which I say, Norm, I'm not the general manager of the Chicago Bears. I'm not paid to know Patrick Mahomes is. You get what I'm saying? There's a man whose job it is is to follow these football players and make that decision, and he made the wrong decision, and he's never been held accountable to it uh, for it. So uh, I, I, I'm through with them until they address this issue, and I got a feeling, Vince, that they're not going to address it anytime soon. No, no. Um, it's going to be a while, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I think the Mitch uh, days are over there. They're kind of like, okay. Um, hopefully um, we can get through this season and we can move past Mitch. But, uh, again, like you said, if they don't address the issue of bringing a quality quarterback in and not only a quality quarterback, but, you know, uh, we need to get a, little, get a little bit better with the coaching too. You know, uh, I kind of like this coach a little bit, but, man, he's made a lot of dumb decisions. Mm-hmm. Boy, he cost us a lot. And uh, so <clears throat> hopefully the Bears can get it together, you know, our beloved Bears. Our beloved Bears. Well, I don't even think there'll be a season this year, so I won't have to worry about them for another year. Vincent, I want you to stay safe and sound, and uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me, and uh, I look forward to uh, continuing to talk with you whenever you need me. Very good. That's Vincent Norman. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. <laughs>